Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamer radiated, collected by a mad titan, and aired live every week only on the non-productive network, the only place that would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in studio as always by Ken and Pete. Hi, Ken and Pete. Hey, Frank. Hi, Frank. On Near Mint, we rank and review comics from best to worst. That's Mint, Near Mint, good, fair, and poor to you newbies. And try to guide you in what to read and what might be better to avoid. All month long, Near Mint is going gaga over Thanos. As we celebrate Infinity Month in preparation of that new movie coming out. You know the one. Rampage? Yes, that one. Rampage. We're going to do it to it. No, not Rampage. It's um, Avengers Civil War colon hyphen uh, Infinity Gauntlet War. Exclamation point. Pirate Flag. That's the name of the movie, right? Yes. The Avengers Pirate Flag is, yeah. Infinity War. Yes. Yeah. All right. Ken, this was partially your idea, maybe? Yeah. I mean, leading into Avengers Infinity War, I mean, I thought it'd be cool to go back and revisit the original Infinity Trinity back in the 90s that Jim Starlin did for Marvel with Ron Lim. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and a little bit extra since we, we yeah. have a fourth uh, fourth week. Yeah. And there, there is such an important uh, prequel to it. And today we'll be starting off with... The Thanos Quest. Thanos Quest. Okay, I guess a little history is in order here. We should probably go into this. Thanos' first appearance in Marvel Comics actually predated Thanos Quest by quite a bit. Oh, quite a bit. Yeah, he was a villain since the 70s, I think, Mm -hmm. late 70s, uh, in titles like Silver Surfer and Avengers Avengers and a few other... He was originally an Iron Man villain. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, And he he definitely has the cosmic... uh, He is definitely amongst the cosmic uh, villains in the Marvel repertoire. I think leading up to Thanos Quest... Um, the Mad Titan Thanos was um, best known for his attempt to take over and destroy his galaxy. I think he was just focused on galaxy, not not any bigger, not universe-wide uh, questing. And uh, I think it was in a Silver Surfer book. And by the end of that storyline, this is not in the book we're reviewing today, but the end of that storyline, he had died. Uh, right. Thanos had been killed, mm-hmm. and then sometime afterwards, resurrected by Mistress Death, his paramour, or his would-be paramour. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, Pete, define the word paramour to me, because I don't even know what I just said. Paramour is a uh, a early 2000s uh, punk I was, I was, band. I knew you were going to do that. I, I knew he was going to do that. I, <laughs> and I don't even think they're punk. Are they punk? I don't know. You are like, such emo-ish. a poser. You don't even know what's happening. Yes. Uh, yeah, so Thanos' big gimmick is that he is imposing, he's in space, he mm. wants to destroy the world as a love letter to his uh, his bay, his bay. <laughs> as the kids say, uh, Mistress his, Death, the personification his beloved. of Beloved. He has this on-again, off-again, it's a moonlighting kind of relationship. <laughs> That's a reference the kids will get. Yeah. Moonlighting. <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah, he, he's always been obsessed with death and... Apparently, as, as a young child, uh, developed this love for the personification of death. Right. So, like, classic emo. And you get all... It's really fun rereading these books as an adult in <laughs> in the 21st century. Because there's a lot going wrong with Thanos. And things that I didn't pick up were on when I was a kid. The way his Specifically, like, Thanos is fun because he is badass right he's mm-hmm. strong he's powerful right. he can defeat worlds he's a cool villain but he's also like the ultimate whiny entitled 
not men's rights activists, but like quite <laughs> on the edge. He of, tends to have a lot of family issues too. Yes, it's so. Oh my god! And this, I would say he doesn't have that many family <laughs> issues because he, he just them. murders them. Yeah, he totally resolved those <laughs> those issues. If you're related to them to him, he'll probably murder you. Yeah. Uh, so it's a lot of fun, and it's especially fun reading this this early '90s book that sort of set the stage for things that will come up and are just considered uh, can not just canon, but like iconic for Marvel. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the, it, in this oh, book, yeah. they're defining words like, you know what? I'm going to call them Infinity Jebs. He literally, like, he says, I prefer to call them Infinity He's like, he, yeah. Jim Starlin is I, writing through Thanos saying, you know what? Let's let's revamp this I whole always concept. wondered about that. And I think I brought up the Peter at one point when we, I first started doing the reread on this. I'm like, was there a reason in in Starlin's head writing it as to why he felt he, he had to like had to change well he i think he ex- he he explicitly says in the comic book through Thanos that well really these gems only one of them right. directly affects the soul right so i i think it would be better to call them infinity gems yeah. but I mean, halfway through your story is when it happens yeah. right <laughs> that that well, was the thing that got me basically basically in in reality it's because he changed the way the stones operate yeah, and it's i actually had to go back and and realize that this was not the first appearance of the infinity stones or the soul gems exactly as he refers to the, or as they start off being referred to in the book uh, as a matter of fact it's not even the first time that thanos collected all six really? and tried to use them Inter- oh yeah you're right you're yeah, right he, it, back in uh, in avengers annual number seven he collected all six, all, all six gems. That's right. Uh, and I believe that was the first time that we mentioned, that, that it was mentioned that there were, were six of them. In right. Fact. And right. I think his goal was to either destroy a sun or a galaxy or something like that. He wanted to destroy like this, all the stars yeah. in, in his, in his the galaxy. Yeah. Not even, yeah, in, in the galaxy, is it? So yeah. we'll give a little bit of backstory of what this, this, this particular book is. And it's definitely worth reading. It's a two-issue miniseries beautifully illustrated oh absolutely wonderfully written a perfect time capsule of a period in marvel's uh, house of a thousand ideas phase it it was a larger format book too oh yeah Yeah, yeah. like 50 about 50 pages yeah yeah yeah. uh so uh the the very basics is again we have thanos the mad titan he's already an established villain in the marvel universe a cosmic guy who goes around beating things up and really loves death he dies in a story, and spoiler alert, this people would whine about this mm. on the internet today, uh, he is brought back from the dead uh, by uh, Mistress Death herself, who wants a vassal, a person who will worship her and do her bidding, and her bidding is, you need to kill off half the universe mm. to create balance in the universe. Yes. I can almost say balance in the force now, because <laughs> Marvel and Star Wars no, and the, synergy. The, the, the premise of that is that supposedly there are currently more beings living in the entire universe than have ever died right and lady death sees this as this horrible injustice that thanos must correct for her right right and uh that's basically where the story picks up but a little backstory is the only infinity gem that i think a majority of people listening to that's that's what blows my mind majority of the people who i think are listening to this podcast this comic book podcast probably know a decent amount about the infinity gems probably right and they like i didn't even remember the origin of it it's like the best part of the wiki articles or the publication history not the actual character (laughs) history right character histories are confusing and captain america was a werewolf that whatever 
But like how they got about this, how these writers and illustrators came upon this, that's the coolest part. So Soul Gem was tied in with Adam Warlock. Correct. Right. Uh, and his power, and our Adam Warlock is a sometimes enemy, sometimes friend of Thanos, depending on what part of the story you're in in any given moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that is really the only gem we defined pre-Thanos mm-hmm. quest. It's just a powerful thing that came out of the Adam Warlock storyline. So in this story, Thanos discovers or rediscovers, or it's sort of like remembers that, you know, these six gems, if we put them together, they'd be really powerful. And the entire story is uh, how the first part is how he gets the first three gems and the second part is how he gets the other three gems. Neatly divided. Yeah. And it's, it feels so much like somebody got an assignment. And I don't mean that. (laughs) I mean, Jim Starling probably... Uh, pitched this idea. He said, how about a two-issue book? I don't know why that's his voice, but whatever. How about a two-issue book? That's pretty close. Uh, yeah, and just, you know, it's gonna be, I'm gonna, this little thing that came up in one of the stories from way back in the day, or not even that that way back in the probably day. probably something he wrote, too. Yeah, this this soul gem. I think we can reimagine this, and these these Chris, these gems that we brought up. Let, let me get a little bit more detail, and I get a little bit more trippy with the story, a little more esoteric and uh, imaginative with it. And, you know, we'll split it right in the middle. The first book will be about the first three gems. The second book will be about the other ones. Bam, we got a book. And now it's a cornerstone for a multi-billion dollar franchise. That's crazy when you look at it that yeah. way. Right? Yeah. So cool. So, all right, who wants to who wants to take it from uh, the, the first chapter or the first uh, section of the Thanos quest? Well, I mean, I think you pretty much summed a lot of the stuff leading up to this pretty well. And it opens with Thanos contemplating and understanding and realizing that he knows what his task is and how he's going to go about doing it. Right. And I love and this is throughout the book. I love the the way Thanos is personified. I remember being younger reading this. It's one of the first books that I can remember that it was a complete story based around a villain and his motives. Mm-hmm. Where oh, it was yeah. the it was just about him and what he was doing. There were no heroes for, as a foil for him. It was just him and his methods. And spending the time that Starlin did with Thanos in his book is fantastic. And before that, I don't think I had ever seen anything that focused on a villain like that before. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I'm not sure there there were. I mean... Yeah, right? I, I know the Joker had his own series back in the 60s or 70s. And it just, but I don't know that you can even really compare. Yeah, because I'm sure it ended with, Bat- with Batman coming in, beating him up, and ending the book or I'm, something. I'm assuming but, you know, most of the time. But yeah, yeah, like we didn't really have a foil from except for the guys that were holding these gems that he knew. And the best part was how calculating Starlin wrote Thanos. Right. Like Mm -hmm. he had a plan based on every single person and it's brought to fruition perfectly, which we'll get into. Yeah. And you know what? No drop threads. And that's a big thing that happens. Okay, let's talk a little bit about modern event comics, (laughs) right? The sprawl is number one. The Mm -hmm. books that leak into every other book, right? So there are dozens and dozens of books you have to read, and very few of them ever feel like they pay off. And this month, we will be exploring some of the origins of this style of comic. Right, right. So in Thanos Quest, we have not yet approached that at all. No. Um, the other thing is no drop threads. This is a cohesive story from beginning to end. Not yeah. uh, obviously because Jim Starlin wrote it, uh, and they didn't have to like you know other writers didn't have to sort of figure out how to fit their stuff in. But 
every time Thanos comes, and I don't want to do a play-by-play of the book because that's never interesting, but every time Thanos comes across another person he has the best to get their gem, it's all narratively cohesive. Getting one gem before another gem is part of the strategy, and the strategy makes internal consistency with the magical powers of the gems. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to get the time gem first because that's gonna the, that's the only way I'm going to be able to stop this person who is effectively infinitely fast. Yeah. It, it's interesting, interesting puzzling out that I don't know if m- many modern writers would have the luxury. I'm not going to even say it's about skill. I would say the luxury to be able to write that way. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I would say this, this definitely feels like it was crafted the same way a hamster would craft a mystery novel. Mm-hmm. But you, you you get the ending first and then work backwards. A hamster? Is that a euphemism? That's a for Simpsons the- reference. Oh, oh, all right, good. Look it up, kids. All right, look it up, kids. It's it's it's, it's this old show that used to be pretty funny. Oh man, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, clearly it was based on moonlighting. Um, <laughs> awful. Actually, aftermash, but <laughs> it was based geez. on aftermash. Yes, based on aftermash. Wow, the only good thing to come out that of the sequel. Of, well, hey, uh, God, what was it? Bj, Bj, something or other. Bj and the Bear. No, it, what? Who? There T. was a, Hooker. Not Tj Hooker. There was definitely an aftermash uh, spinoff. Trapper John. I think I was thinking Tapper uh, no, Tra- John. Yeah, Trapper John. I was thinking BJ Honeycomb, but yeah, Trapper You're right. John. I was. I, make, I crossed them together. Yeah. And it wasn't, it was, oh, God. Trapper John spun, spun straight and, on. This uh, is going, gave, uh, what if we the- made this a Patreon special? Just this part. Yeah. How okay. many people would eventually dump all of their money? They'd be like, no more. How do we pay you not to produce this anymore? <laughs> yeah, we don't do Patreon rewards. We do Patreon <laughs> threats. <laughs> yes, do this. <laughs> All right, yes. So uh, I guess one of the things uh, we brought up a little bit uh, a while ago, we could detail a little bit more, is the dialogue, the personification of the character of Thanos, mm-hmm. of actually of almost everyone. Uh, we could do Thanos and Mr. Steth are two of my favorites, right? Thanos as the, not pompous, but like erudite, uh, confident, brutal, a weird mixture of adjectives yeah. for one character. But perfectly describing it. Yeah, and that's the one thing I think those of us who are huge fans of Thanos in the comics are most uh, concerned or excited about seeing in the movie. Right. right. Do they get that right? I, yeah. If they do it. <laughs> yeah. I think, it's, I think it's very interesting because uh, Jim Starlin does a great job characterizing Thanos. Thanos is not written really as a... It's hard to say he's not evil. Yeah. But it's he he's an evil that's completely relatable, I think. It's, yeah, he, I guess. He has a a genuine if somewhat obsessive love for someone and is willing to go to any lengths and use any means necessary to win her favor. So I'm not judging any uh, you or any of the listeners no. who may uh, share that. <laughs> I don't know if I would call that relatable. I don't find him relatable in the same. So Killmonger, for those, uh, we won't go into too many spoil, spoilers into Black Panther, but Killmonger, there is a certain sense of difficulty in finding the flaw in yeah. Killmonger's uh, feelings, if not his approaches. Yeah. I'll agree with you in saying that, yeah, it's it's... A lot easier to say, "Hey, yeah, Killmonger was right," right, than it is to say, 
Aw, Thanos is really kind of sweet. Right, yeah. And uh, before you answer us in comments and tweets and whatever, uh, uh, listen to the Black Panther podcast. We don't necessarily say that Killmonger is right, but it's easier. Um, with with Thanos, it's less that I'm like, oh, yeah, he's relatable. I, I've definitely obsessed over a woman who wasn't into me that much. You know, listen, I think we, I, I think we could all say in <laughs> grade school or high school, there was that. That's a whole other level we got to get to. There's like that woman that was the unobtainable that you always were hoping would, would spend time with you or do something with you. And you tried your hardest to get her attention, and she just wasn't going to have any of and it. And the fact that Ken's and she remained like, silent constantly and only spoke to you through lackeys. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that Ken you've been there too. Uh, uh, grade school have through been high there. school. I, I live there. No. Grade school through high school is like. I mean, that's the relatable no, part. I get it. No, but Taylor I, Swift, please I, call me. I don't. No. I don't approve of that at all. But um, I the the fact that I mean, we'll get to this later. It's how. And I didn't notice it as a kid how childish and disturbing Thanos is as a romantic foil. We'll get to that later because I do want to finish up on okay. Thanos. Is uh, I don't so I don't think it's relatable to me. For me, it's like he is well crafted. Like he is a villain that's exciting to read about and to see him succeed. He's more like uh, Hannibal Lecter in a way where it's like, wow, this is good. This is a good. This he's good at this. Than necessarily being like, oh yeah, I could see that. That's what I was saying. Completely related. Uh, you know, not completely like evil, like just misunderstood. Yeah, no, no, he's evil, uh, but completely also, relatable. Yeah, yeah. So he's it's a very complex uh, character and re- well done. The other one I brought up, uh, we were talking about the personifications or the presentation. It's Mistress Death. I love it. Not that she is a very well developed character necessarily in Thanos Quest, but all the 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 gimmicks Starlin uses for her are great. Uh, that she is this skeletal robed figure who does not speak, but only speaks through uh, emissaries. Uh, how they sp- they are kind of like these automatons who don't really have an opinion. And they, they are obsessed with the fact that they are already... The fact that there's a class structure, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. The people who are dead, who are like... I wouldn't know Thanos. I didn't come back to life. I'm still dead. I'm like, damn, that's Caddy from a rat yeah. man. Um, <laughs> it, it, so I love that entire thing. And I love how Thanos, when he eventually, uh, towards the end of the story, uh, gains the power and brings her, makes her more what he wants her to be. She becomes flesh. She, she becomes beautiful. And I'm like, that's kind of savage in its own way and the way she gives she's like no you're the whole the resolution of it mm-hmm. all of it is just great writing and great characterization uh, any characters that really sing out to you guys as the ones you want to focus on and and celebrate or things that don't, didn't work for you to be honest one of my favorite parts of this and i could be alone but <clears throat> is thanos's meeting with the gardener mm. there is something very poetic in that whole scenario whether it's starlin writing and explaining the garden and the the caretaker and how that all works and the calculating of what thanos does to him at the end and how he twists the the beauty right in order to get the gem by killing the gardener by twisting all that you know it was it was was very beautiful in a way as sick and twisted as it was i like that too because it it also reflects this this core thing of thanos that he's not just this random yeah. violent thing. He doesn't kill things or destroy things because he wants to see things destroyed. 
He he destroys things because they're in his way. They're in the way of his goals. Or that his goal is to destroy them. Yes, definitely. I think the pacing on this is beautiful, too. Not only the the sequence itself with Thanos and the gardener uh, and how the, the, the panels are laid out and even the turning of the pages, it comes at such a perfect time where the resolution to that after Thanos is speaking how he doesn't he didn't want to have to do this but it was it was important and then you get that shock of the next page turn mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely yes and it's placed in the story this is what kills me about this story this is what floors me about it is that this comes right after Thanos gets the first or the second gem. This is the third gem. Yeah, yeah. Games, so yeah. Right, I think it's the second gem from Champion, is it? I think that's the name mm-hmm. of the, uh, the, the... Who is my least yeah, favorite character in all of it? He's just this, like, bruiser. Yeah. This effectively... Not even Hulk. Just really uninteresting. And the, the battle that... It's not like it's a bad battle. In fact, it's paced perfectly because it's this super violent, almost comically violent mm-hmm. end to, the, to that battle that becomes a sipping tea with an old man as you challenge him to death. Right. It's so well played. Based on the fact that Thanos is evil, this is what we this is how we perceive him especially even today. It just the moment that you can sit there and realize that he respects the gardener and you obviously obviously can see that Thanos is a kind of person as terrible as it sounds that can stop and smell the roses. Right, yeah. You know. Absolutely. But, the roses on your grave but still. <laughs> yeah. Real quick, uh if you are interested at all in trying to redeem the champion uh, a couple of years ago deadpool had a, a number of limited series uh coming out back to back leading one leading into the other i believe it was deadpool core that features the champion heavily interesting and uh it it, it fleshes out the character a lot and actually even made me appreciate this appearance a bit more. Oh, that's nice. Knowing the way the champion's mind works. I might look out for that. Uh, all right, so, uh, uh, Pete, do you have a character whose characterization you most want to focus on? Um, You know what? I was very much taken by the Collector the first time I read this. Oh, yeah. I think he was the one that first struck a chord with me about how the, the elders of the universe work. And how they all revolve around their own personal obsession and will act against their own best natures or their own their own best interests in order to play to their obsessions. Yeah, I, I like the concept of these basically all powerful beings uh, are bested by their own their own focus that's yeah. their own obsessions or whatever it is that that's a good explanation mm-hmm. other than like you know they're trapped in a prism or they're just don't care about the world anymore they're just super focused mm-hmm. that was that's that is cool yeah the collector the fact that he he has this stone of immense power that he could he could collect everything he ever wanted to using it uh but the second Thanos dangles a mysterious prize that he can't get anything anywhere else. A little golden baby? <laughs> yep. Who He's wouldn't like, do oh, that wait, for a yes. little Yes. Yeah, yeah. I must have it. Uh, yeah. It, it, was, it was fun. Yeah. It was, a, it was a cool one as well. One of the themes, too, that I uh, kind of liked were that these immortal, powerful beings had these things and didn't even realize what they were capable of. It's like they had them on them. 
but obviously didn't even do the research to figure out what this was and why they even bothered to, to wear it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and a good explanation as to why each one of them didn't tap into the full potential of the the gem, which Starlin does because he doesn't leave that plot hole for us to later on go like, well, why? Yeah. Why weren't they super all powerful with the possession of even one of them? Yeah, he uh, he does say that you know Thanos is the only one that's ever bothered to look deeply into these things as a uh, as a collective and to figure out their true nature. The true nature has been hidden since the beginning of time. Uh, I, I only have two things to say about the other two major players in this. Uh, for the runner, to me, he was like, it almost felt like a screw you flash moment. <laughs> Maybe it's just because I'm never I'm, I'm never quite understanding why speedsters are so powerful in the DC universe. But whatever, that could just be me. Uh, I actually saw it from playing too much God of War, oh, the really? video game where you actually fight the gods uh-huh. and just having the fast overpowerful character and beating him up. I just had reminiscences oh, of, of that. I see, I see. <laughs> and uh, my only critique actually is going to come down to the Grandmaster. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know, I didn't think that that ending, that culmination was worthy of everything that led up to it. I, it, really, it, just, it seemed the Grandmaster wanting to, to do this as a VR game was the only dated thing that happened in this book. It was a little weak. Yeah. Odd thing is that the date seems more appropriate now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, 20 years later? Oh, yeah, 20, sure. sure. VR is totally making a comeback. It's going to happen, folks. Game no. Master, did anybody not try to read that as Jeff Goldblum when they were rereading this? Uh, <laughs> I, you know what? I didn't. I didn't bite, but I did for the collector. I did use uh, <laughs> Del Toro. Del Toro. Yeah. yeah. It was interesting. But it is also very interesting, the divide between the cinematic universe and the comic book universe. But yeah, characterizations were great all all around. I, I had one one line that actually permeated that I just loved because I don't remember it the first time reading it. But when he was fighting the champion and you're getting Thanos' inner monologue during it. And it was just the one moment where he's like, in many ways, I assume this is what it would be oh. like battling the Aterran behemoth, the Hulk. Yeah, yeah. A conflict I've sought to avoid over the years. And I'm yeah. like, just wait, buddy. <laughs> interesting. Very cool. Uh, yeah, so I like the characterizations throughout the book. Uh, another thing that isn't quite, uh, it's not only in the writing, but in the art itself. We talked a little bit about with the Gardner chapter, but the trippiness of some of these pages, the the, the cosmic, cosmic heyday illustration. Oh, yeah. This is comparable to, I would say, even Kirby in, in, I, in some of these stories. I would, I would actually say that... Stranko. Yeah. Oh, Stranko, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, I've actually always been a fan of Ron Lim going back to the Affinity Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I became a huge fan of him uh, at that era, and I still am today. Um, but it's obvious, what, uh, reading this too, it seems like he did go back and look at a lot of Starlin's work. Because Starlin was an artist too on mm-hmm. Warlock and a lot of his stuff. Starlin actually did the covers for the original printings of uh thanos quest yes um but yeah but seeing um ron Lim going back and obviously researching those 70s books and how trippy they were mm-hmm. and then kind of heightening it by giving us a lot like expanding on on that and, yeah. and those images making it cleaner yes yeah. very yeah. much so and i my hat's off to him i i still love him today i think he's a fantastic uh, yeah. artist it, yeah. i was uh, kind of blown away because this isn't one of the books that usually comes up for people who like that, um, the the uh, this aesthetic, but it, the art is amazing. It really was. It, it really captured it. it. Up until I think the highlight for me 
the intro pages for most for both of these stories were really interesting. Uh, the contemplative Thanos overlooking cosmos of uh, the infinity well or just space in general but for me especially it's when the gems are collected at the end of the story each page those, having its own yeah, so it's one page splashes splash. yeah yes. an explanation of what the the ge- the first time in marvel continuity that these gems became elevated from macguffin to macguffin with wonderful backstory mm-hmm. uh and honestly just just like each one of these as a full print poster hanging in a room with black light on it is a dream come true. I would love to see that. Yeah, I, just the art is amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. And I'm glad that we, we were able to go back and redo this. Yeah, definitely worth it. It really mm-hmm. makes me appreciate where the story goes. Because a lot I mean a lot of this is of course nostalgia and uh you know, there there are plenty of stories where the villain was the main character throughout, mm-hmm. but this was one of the first we've experienced at growing up. And again, the 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 migration between pitch to a sm- relatively small comic book you know project to something that engulfs the entirety of this universe that is huge. It is a gigantic literary work. Mm-hmm. is fascinating. I can't believe we actually have like physical evidence of how we got from uh, stories around a campfire to Homer's Odyssey, you know? Yeah. That's that's crazy, but that's the joy of comics. And I'm going to say, with, with Infinity War coming out, if you're interested in going out and reading the books that inspired it, and you're you're daunted you don't know what to start with or if you can read all of it, I highly recommend checking out Thanos Quest, reading these because it's very accessible. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's Especially a now. Yeah. much lower time commitment to reading these. Yeah, two big issues, and I think you're going to find that the movie Infinity War is going to owe a lot more to Thanos Quest and the first half of Infinity Gauntlet than it does to. Infinity Gauntlet as a whole and Infinity War itself. Uh, the comic, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the comic I, I, Infinity 100%. War. Yeah, I suspect you're right. I, this fits well into the narrative we've already yeah. established. Uh, although, interestingly enough, you would assume that the movie is going to be focused much more on the heroes, who are the yeah. only characters we've ever really known in in the MCU, where this book doesn't need to. Yeah. And that's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. So I cannot wait to continue Infinity Month with you folks. Um, Next on our list, what's the next story? We do the next story: Infinity Gauntlet. Infinity Gauntlet. The direct, the direct uh, sequel to this. Yeah. Right. The the the. This is the. Uh, this is the story people most often think of when they think of the uh, yeah. the Infinity Gems in general. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. This is going to be a little bit daunting, yeah. but I, I can't wait to get into it. So, what do we rank this book? Easily for me. I loved it 20, 25 years ago. I love it even more now. It's it's a mint. It's a definite mint. Uh, some kind of bizarre glowing ultra mint. Yeah, it <laughs> is. Uh, and I, I feel like, I don't know if this is going to happen throughout this month, but this is an amazing first volley into this narrative, into this fiction, into this epic storyline. It's got to be a three-way mint. 
Yeah, I'm very excited. There's going to be a lot of memories. I think a lot of feels of my end going back I, and reading Oh, yes. Yeah. I wonder, and that's actually one thing we uh, said we were going to talk about, but we actually haven't yet, is how our feelings have changed the most over Thanos Quest. I, I think I have a better appreciation of the art. That's simple enough. Mm-hmm. Um, better appreciation of the history, because... You know, at the time reading this originally, I probably didn't even know it was going to be that big of a deal, right? Yeah. Um, anything else other than the maybe the the sore point in the room, the big, the the obvious thing? How much of a punk Thanos is to his lady or his <laughs> alleged lady? I we can't undersell this. He really is, and it's fun to. You can read this as a star-crossed lover story. You can, or an unrequited love story. You can definitely read little aspects in that. But that relationship is just bad. It, it went from infatuation oh yeah. to bully is what it did. Oh, yeah, definitely. When he gained the power to control the universe and he said, well, you now have to love me. I'll, I'll stop short of him saying that he forced his will on her even afterwards. Right. Because he like stopped at a moment and looked sour, like, well, I can make her love me, but that's not the point. Right. I yeah. want her to love me as an equal, which sounds very like, oh, well, that's okay, right? You want, equal, mm. but you want to force someone yes. to love you as an equal. You wish it so hard that you you kill a bunch of people. Yeah. Like this is, if he wasn't using superpowers to do this, we would be horrified by this character. <laughs> It's it it dumbs things down. Even though we've called him a villain the entire yeah. time, he's still fun to read. But if he were oh god, if he were using, if this were a teenager talking about another teenager, he wanted mm. I want you to love me for who I am, and I will do anything, including harm others for you. And if you don't agree, that's your like that's that, so yeah. damaged. I'm just going to keep going until you have no choice but to love me. It's so on, but it oh. was. Oh, there's also the realization too when he's told by the lackey that Mistress Death will go along with you because you're no longer equals. You're her superior, and she really optim. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, has no choice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you overshot equals, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he is ups- clearly upset about that because <laughs> of the puree he made, the ratatouille he makes, but um. <laughs> Yeah, it's still it's still bad because I thought maybe does he end with uh, what I did was wrong or does he end with a uh, whining about what I should do next? And he ends with the whining with what he should do next, trying to figure Before this out. Before obliterating the rat servant. Yeah, ratatouille. Uh, I mean, so, <laughs> yeah, just... it's so it's so disturbing and like squeaky. I did not never read any of that into it as a kid. I thought I don't know if I, I definitely didn't think it was a healthy relationship, but. I I thought more um, unrequited love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess it's still that, but it, but now we see another side of unrequited love as adults. It's like, oh, that can be very disturbing, and it is, uh, which is cool, because it makes him seem like much more of a villain, and he is. He is the ultimate. I love, and we don't really get into it in this in Infinity Month, but I love the whole... Thanos versus Deadpool as who would be the best boyfriend for death. <laughs> that is yeah. hilarious to me because there are so many people I, I've seen who would, you know, when people like a villain too much and they mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, they try to like take on some of that to their personality. I've seen people act like Thanos in reality. <laughs> And yeah, they are definitely villains. It's disgusting. <laughs> but I cannot wait to read more of this story and this really complex 
uh, jerk. <laughs> well, the, one of the, the last pages, though, we get to see a little bit of remorse from Thanos too. Mm. With 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 him with the realization of him now being a god, and it's a hollow victory, and the yeah. tear in his eye. That is a big theme for. I Thanos. wouldn't call that remorse. Well, uh, I think he understands that he's really not going to get what he wants. I mean, he'll keep trying, but it's just like it's the realization that I did this and I, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I won, but I, I'm still not. I think you're both right. I don't think that's remorse, but it's definitely the hollow victory. Yeah. And that is a theme for Thanos throughout. It's the I'm never going to get what I really want. Yeah. Because uh, what you want is so messed up, bro. <laughs> yeah. Bro, just dance. You just need to go out with some friends and dance this out. These feelings are killing you. <laughs> Uh, if your feelings are high because of this wonderful podcast, and you'd like to dance, and you'd like to dance, do so. But while you're dancing, like and follow our show on social media, and subscribe to our podcast, and give us a five star review, maybe, and uh, some comments on your favorite podcatcher app. It really does help spread word about the show. We do appreciate it. So stay tuned for the rest of April, leading up to Marvel's Infinity War, while we continue Infinity Month. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.